It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Breaking news hot off the press. The Twins make a trade in crunch time for some much-needed pitching help. Coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Carol 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's what you're going to do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red-hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stick. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with superior sports talk. Part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. Going back to the bullpen today, it's not Johan Duran. It's not even Griffin Jackson or Emilio Pagan. It's our boy, Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show, stopping by today. How you feeling, Sammy? It's a big day to, to use the word bullpen because the Twins just bolstered theirs moments ago. Thankfully, giving us enough time to scramble and figure out who these prospects are, who this guy is, and uh, I think we're going to get into that. Yeah, big show lined up, as you said today, because the Twins making a splash before the deadline just moments ago. Plus, we got to talk about what plan B is going to be for the Vikings when it comes to Garrett Bradbury holding down the fort. Remember to follow along on the Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button and on Twitter, smash that follow button at Lockdown M-I-N. All right, to baseball we go. These Twins are going to give these fans a heart attack, man. My blood pressure is through the roof watching these guys. Another dramatic ending last night that ended with a bang. Gio Urshela takes the first pitch fastball out to the deepest part of the park at Target Field in the bottom of the 10th. They get the win 5-3, to three. but more importantly, just moments ago, the Twins make a move finally because Jorge Lopez is on his way to Minnesota as we speak. Again, it just happened moments ago. So Sam, do you have any more details as far as what the Twins are sending in this package for this much needed reliever help? Yeah, so you see the tweet there. You see the stats. Lopez is having by far his best year after being a very bottom of the barrel, to be honest, starter. I mean, he's been well below average in a starter's role. They move him to the bullpen and he's an all-star. So a great return for the Twins. And I don't think you're really too sad about anything that they're giving up. It seems clear that the Orioles are kind of restocking the cupboard here, even though they've been playing well. Uh, The Twins give up uh, two very low-level pitching prospects. We're talking like below, like rookie league, single A in Juan Rojas and Juan Nunez. Cade Povich, single-A, second-year player, former third-round pick. He's the big prospect piece in this deal. I've seen in some rankings, I think Aaron Gleeman said he was the 20th-ranked prospect in the system, but he's several years from contributing at the big league level. So you're not going to have any regrets about giving Povich up until like 2024 maybe when he starts hitting for the Orioles. So again, that that's deferred down the road. And then you give up Yenier Cano, who has appeared a little bit with the Twins this year, not much. He's kind of been going back between St. Paul and Minneapolis. Uh, and that's, again, not, not a well-regarded prospect necessarily in the system, not somebody that you're devastated to give up. So the Twins gets an impact player, Luke, not only for this year, but they've got team control for the next two years over Lopez, who seems to have found a very special niche in that bullpen. You do worry that for someone who's struggled throughout their career that maybe the other shoe drops, maybe this is an outlier or an anomaly, and it won't last forever. But 
I mean, based on the stats this year, he's found something. This is a massive pickup for the Twins, and they don't give up any impact players for this year. Aaron Gleeman on Twitter, the geek, not only has Jorge Lopez been one of the MLB's best relievers this season, posting a 1-6 ERA in 48 innings, but like you mentioned, Sam, he's under team control for 23 and 24. I think that's the most pivotal part of this move in acquiring this guy, because how often do you see teams push the chips all in? They trade the farm, it seems like to get a guy or two that can help move the needle and help them make a postseason World Series type of run. But then all of a sudden you lose the guy. He's a free agent in four or five months. Not Jorge Lopez. He will be with the team for the next two and a half years. And a nice guy to pair up with Johan Duran. So my follow-up question, what Twins fans want to know, by the way, too, before we get into that, surprising move for the Baltimore Orioles, who are just two and a half games back from a wild card position right now. They seem to be selling when a lot of Baltimore fans would assume, why aren't we buying and trying to push our chips all in? But is this enough to move the needle for you, Sam? Is there still another move here as we get down to crunch time, with just a few hours left before the deadline, that needs to happen for you to wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know what? I feel good. I feel good about the guys that we got and go win this thing as far as the Central Division is concerned. I think they've done half the job. So they've got their reliever now in Lopez. Now you got to go get a starter. And a a month ago, I might not have demanded they get a starter because it seemed like things were going pretty well with Ryan and Gray and uh, Bundy and Archer were pitching a little better. And Devin Smeltzer was pitching really well. But Smelter came back to the pack. Bundy and Archer have struggled. Bailey Ober's injury concerns might be season-ending. Josh Winder has been, you know, hurt as well. So the injury bug has hit that staff, and they no longer have the depth that they used to or the success. I mean, those those starting pitching ERAs are climbing, it seems, by the week. And besides Ryan and Gray, and Ryan just got shelled in uh, San Diego – I think they need more starting pitching help. So you've already lost the two big names on the market. Luis Castillo goes to the Mariners, Frankie Montas to the Yankees. So they're gone. That might be okay. I mean, those are those are prospects where you would have had to give up uh, major, or I shouldn't call them prospects. You would have had to give up major prospects of your own to get those established starters. Uh, so now you're looking at sort of the secondary starting pitching market. Um, and I think the Twins are going to be cautious because they do have a very nice offensive lineup set up for years to come. I don't think the Twins want to sacrifice 2023-2024 by giving up like a Jose Miranda or a Trevor Larnick. I mean, those guys could be staples for years to come. So I think the Twins would be comfortable giving up more single-A, double-A prospects if they can keep sort of their their immediate pipeline intact. But I do think it's necessary for them to get a starting pitcher to add depth to that staff because right now you're you're kind of just you know crossing your fingers and praying to the heavens on the days where it's not Joe Ryan or Sonny Gray. But up on ESPN, there's the top 10 players most likely to be traded. There's still about four or five pitchers up on this list. David Robertson for the Cubs, granted, another relief pitcher. Noah Syndergaard for the Angels. Taylor Mayle for the Reds. Carlos Rodon for the Giants as well seems to be an attractive name. Is there one name out of these collective four or five guys that makes the most sense without giving up the farm like you mentioned for the future? Yeah, Tyler Molly from the Reds seems to be the trendier name. I mean, I know my guy, Ron Johnson, he's a big Noah Syndergaard fan, and you can guess why, because his nickname is Thor, and Ron is an Avengers nerd. (laughs) 
Um, Sandergaard <laughs> would be the flashy acquisition, but he's coming off injury. He hasn't been amazing this year. He definitely has the the name recognition. Molly, though, you know, comes from the Reds. The Reds are are looking to restock. They've had a really rough year. Got a four four ERA, but he's had a steadier career than someone like Lopez. A four four three five career ERA is not terrible. He's had a couple of years sub four, and he'll give you innings. I mean, he gave the Reds 180 innings last year, already 104 this year. And you need starters that can actually get to the sixth or seventh inning on occasion. And it seems like Molly can do that. Uh, he still is in the prime of his career, and he knows how to strike people out. He's had seasons above 10, above 11 uh, strikeouts per nine, which is really, really good. So that's someone that at age 27, I don't think you you would mind having around in your organization. And uh, and that's probably the next biggest name behind Castillo and Montas. So there's probably a lot of competition for his services. And remember, the Twins are trying to duke it out with the Guardians and the White Sox. So any team negotiating is going to play these teams off of each other. So it's going to take it's going to take a little bit. And for someone of his caliber, I think you will have to give up someone that might sting a little bit. And then you're going to have to make that decision, you know, once you're faced with it. Well, a good start to the day if you're a Twins fans. Again, Jorge Lopez coming in, a huge acquisition. They desperately needed to add help into the bullpen for the Twins and pair up with Johan Duran. A good ending last night as well. I mentioned it, Gio Urshela with the walk-off win. Their seventh walk-off win of the season. Urshela's second walk-off hit of the year. Aaron Sanchez, solid spot start going five innings, just two earned with eight Ks. No Byron Buxton who took a breather. Just some quick thoughts on last night's game before we get into some more trade deadline talkers. Yeah, much much needed. Much needed win. Mm-hmm. They They had to have it after a frustrating last five games in Milwaukee and San Diego. And it felt in the late innings, Luke, like this was going to be almost like the cherry on top of just a a really dismal stretch where you've got Detroit coming in. Detroit's not a good baseball team. Uh, You have to win these games. You have to when you're at home and you're playing the bottom feeders of the AL Central. Down 2 nothing in the late innings. It just felt like it was going to go the wrong way. And then big hit by Jose Miranda in the 8th. Big hit by Jose Miranda in the 10th. Um, and then still, I think you were nervous too. Like they left two guys on in the eighth inning, two guys on in the ninth inning. The Tigers take the lead in the tenth, and you're worried again. Is this really happening to the Twins? Is this the way this season is going to go? So the clutch hitting of Miranda, and then of course Urshela with the big bomb in the tenth inning to end it. That's just a huge relief for the Twins. I mean, that's kind of the way they built this division lead is winning those tight games against bad teams at home. So to do it again last night and now give, give, get, get a little wind in your sails between that and the Lopez acquisition, you, uh, Twins fans are feeling a little better this morning than they were, you know, about 8 p.m. last night when they were biting their nails with a huge crowd on hand. Uh, it was a pretty lively atmosphere late in that game. So I think that's just a, a huge win even though it's against the Tigers, just to get a little momentum now going into this homestand. Yeah, take them however you can get them. That's for sure. Cleveland, as you mentioned, won an extras against the Diamondbacks. So that was a much needed win. Chicago loses. Twins lead still just one game over the Guardians. Now three over the White Sox. It's not too late to bet on the Twins to win the division. And you can do so with Bet Online. Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. Stats, news, and info. Bet Online makes betting easy. Go to betonline.net today to learn more. That's 
betonline.net, where the game starts. Twins taking on the Tigers again today. First pitch, 6.40 p.m. Chris Archer on the mound. Rest assured, Sam and I got you covered tomorrow to break it all down. All right, to football we go. 42 days until week one of the NFL season kicks off. That means we're a handful of practices into Vikings training camp. Yesterday was the first time we got to hear the pads pop. And that's big because remember, KOC has decided to have just 11 padded practices and not take advantage of the 16 offered by the NFL. But when they put the pads on, it's full steam ahead. Sammy, you were there up close and personal. So let's start with just some news and notes, observations from yesterday's practice, specifically at TCO. You can get us caught up on just the top one or two things that jumped out to you from yesterday specifically. Yeah, uh, yesterday they had a good series of one-on-ones where we really got to see the O-line, D-line go against each other for the first time. I mean, they're the ones that suffer most when they're not in pads trying to, to block somebody in basically a t-shirt and shells uh that's not realistic that's not football so the the trenches really got popping yesterday the one-on-ones are always entertaining you see how like a brian o'neill holds up against a zadarius smith that's pretty fun and by the way o'neill held up very well uh you saw garrett bradbury get mowed down by dalvin tomlinson that's encouraging for the d-line not encouraging for uh your center who i think you're going to ask me about here in a minute uh justin jefferson luke he's good and I've said this for the first couple of years of, of Jefferson's career. He has not blown me away in training camp practices. Remember, that that's why he wasn't the starter in week one of 2020 is because B.C. Johnson was just flat out better in practice. And even last year, even after Jefferson's great year, I didn't feel like he was an, an amazing practice player, certainly not Stefan Diggs level. This year, he's bringing it. Justin Jefferson's had his best stretch of practice that I've seen. He's catching everything. He's getting open. He seems like he's got, I don't know, maybe an extra step of acceleration. Really, really good. I think Cousins has, has for the most part, looked good. A couple bad stretches here and there. But yesterday, uh, the two-minute drill. They get the ball with a minute 15 on the clock in the situation. Connection to Zach Davidson. Connection to Adam Thielen. Back to Davidson. Near side, B.C. Johnson. Ball gets down to the 20-yard line. Fade route to K.J. Osborne for a touchdown. Five for five. Bang, 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 bang. And only a minute came off the clock. It was a really impressive drive, and that was something that Cousins and company struggled with mightily last year, if I recall correctly. So to see that... Uh, was really encouraging for the Vikings offense. Yeah, we talked a lot about the value of Dalvin Cook yesterday and when it came to some of the most valuable players on the roster, given the drop in play from them to the guys behind them. Irv Smith, his name got brought up a lot. And it's no secret, it's no surprise. If he goes down, they're in trouble. But seeing Zach Davidson, a guy I called out on this show last week as a dark horse player to make an impact, get three targets in that two-minute drill, as you mentioned, and come down with all three passes when Irv Smith took a breather on the sideline. A huge sign for things to come. Remember, drafted in the fifth round last year, massive size and frame, athletic ability for the position. And it's important to remember the difference in jump you see from these guys from year one to year two with guys in the NFL is maybe bigger than any 
sport out there. And now that he's got a full year under his belt, he's coming out and already stealing some number two reps and number one reps in a two-minute drill with starters over the guys like Johnny Munt, more of a blocking tight end, Ben Ellison. There's no way that entire 2021 draft class was going to be a dud because Zimmer and Co. didn't give them a fair crack. So Zach Davidson already early in camp, putting up a great fight for that number two spot behind Irv and helping coaches breathe just a little bit in case anything were to happen to Irv again. Now that you've got a handful of practices in the books, what's been the biggest takeaway or two from camp thus far? Could be a a personnel move, a, a specific player that jumps out, a scheme or, you know, a design or a sub package look, or could just be, you know, a vibe that you get out there, the tempo and the attitude of these guys. What sticks out to you over the collection of camp now that we got four or five under our belt? Yeah, I I see it's just it's so different to the eye to see this 3-4. We had the 4-3 for so long and it was just so right. predictable. You know, you you mm-hmm. had your your edges with Griffin and Hunter, you had Barr and Kendricks at the second level, you had Harrison Smith and, you know, Sandejo and Harris, just so much continuity on that defensive side of the ball. And now not only are there a lot of different players but it just looks different. You've got so many guys moving around, standing up. Um, you know, the the edge rushers are now outside linebackers. They've kind of got that different designation. They're kind of, you know, almost like, you know how Harrison Smith sometimes will flirt with the line of scrimmage. He'll run up and then he'll back off and run up. You kind of see a little bit of that from your edge rushers now where they're on the line, they're backing up, they're relaxing, and they're trying to play games with the offense's eyes. And that, that defense just looks so unique to what we're used to seeing here in Minnesota. So that's definitely eye-catching. I, to be honest with you, haven't seen a lot of competition on offense, not nearly to the extent that I thought. I mean, K.J. Osborne has been unchallenged as the wide receiver three, and I think that's that's probably the correct decision. I don't think they need to knock him off his perch. He's been really good in, in camp, and he was really good last year. Um, Irv Smith is definitely, you know, you're locked in number one tight end. I think you alluded to it. Tight end two might be the most compelling battle for me. Cause that's someone that you're going to use. You're definitely going to use your second tight end. And Johnny Munt's only got 10 career receptions. I don't think he is locked in as your number two tight end, just because he's a veteran. Zach Davidson, you know, he wasn't a D one player in college. Of course he was going to take a year to kind of get his feet under him. And it seems like he's improved a lot this year. So if he can emerge and he's got like the length and wingspan that you want in your tight end and the athleticism, that could be a sneaky competition between Munt and Davidson for that number two spot. Um, And then, you know, your depth at running back, Luke. I've seen Ty Chandler get running back two reps. I've seen Alexander Madison get running back two reps and Kene Wonglu. And that just tells me that behind Dalvin, I don't think there's a hierarchy. I think it's just a big rotation. I think that you're going to go running or your backup running back by committee. Dalvin obviously gets the lion's share, but then one game you might see Chandler, one game you might see more Wang Wu, and then Madison will obviously get his fair share as well. But I don't think it's going to be sort of a pecking order like we're used to see. I think it's just going to be toss him into a pot, stir it up, and uh, see who emerges on any given day. Before camp started last week, I told Reggie, I don't think Alexander Madison's the clear-cut number two running back, and his jaw literally hit the floor, Sam. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm going to be able to play that back for him. you love to see it. I'll go more schematically as well. I love that you mentioned the new 3-4 system, the different sub-packages. But from the moment they drafted Lewis Seen, I knew it meant a logjam early on at the safety because – 
how well Cam Bynum progressed last season, flashed when he got to start for Xavier Woods, and we talked a lot about, well, just put them in a three-safety look and package, which made sense on paper, but I didn't expect them to come out with that sub-package look so soon in camp. In fact, one of the first days of practice, you had Harry and Cam as your two-deep shell and then seen down in the box as kind of a hybrid strong safety slash linebacker. With the old regime, I would have guessed weeks before we saw any new wrinkles because it was always about the fundamentals and the techniques first and foremost that they just always hammered into those players, but never deployed any new wrinkles or looks until a week or so into camp at earliest, like that NASCAR package Zimmer flung out once in a while in a blue moon during training camp. So to see that three safety look already tells me, first of all, they agree with us. You got to get all three of these safeties on the field at the same time. But two, and maybe more importantly, is this coaching staff is willing to adapt quickly and find ways to maximize those players' skill sets and find ways to maximize just the best 11 players on any given down or distance. So that's just a breath of fresh air, I think, coming from such a, I guess you could say, stubborn coach and regime at times and so vital if you want long-term success in this new age of the NFL. I mentioned Zach Davidson as a guy who's really jumped out to me and you obviously as well going three for three in that two-minute drill, taking an obvious leap forward from year one to year two. Give me one more guy, maybe two, that's made a big impression on the 90-man roster. Don't be afraid to dig deep in the well on this one. We already know Justin Jefferson's unstoppable. Zadarius Smith and Hunter, they're beasts. But mm -hmm. maybe a little bit further down on the depth chart, who's kind of stuck out to you four or five practices in? Yeah, I'll give you one on offense, one on defense. Uh, this is someone who I think is going to start. I mean, I think people are talking about a competition, but I think Cam Dantzler is your starter, and I think he's backed it up. I mean, he's been your clear number one corner opposite of Patrick Peterson. Uh, he's gone against Adam Thielen a ton, and he's won his fair share of battles. Certainly he's been beaten a couple times. That's going to happen when you're going against Adam Thielen. But Dantzler has looked the part to me. I think he looks a little stronger this year, looks a little more confident this year. I think Dantzler has been one of the better uh, defensive players so far in camp from what I've seen. Offensively, Amir Smith-Marset, I think, is going to get preference as your number four receiver. And I think he's looked the part as well. He's had some great battles with Andrew Booth Jr. He's you see the speed. I mean, this is a guy that was a, a punt returner in college. He's uh, got a lot of lateral shiftiness and quickness. I think that he is probably your, your leader in the clubhouse right now to be wide receiver four. He's ahead of Albert Wilson at this point. Uh, he's ahead of Jalen Naylor. I don't think it's really a question. I think he's, he's definitely making this roster. I don't think there's a competition there um, for him to make it or not. And then I think you battle it out for, for spots five and six. But I think Smith-Marset has separated himself with sort of those short and intermediate routes. Not necessarily a burner downfield yet, but I think he's got a place in this offense. And you know, Luke, there's going to be some spread stuff that they show. Four or five wide receivers where uh, they're going to need those depth pieces. So I think Smith-Marset on the offensive side has definitely caught my eye. Hey, another guy from that 2021 draft class. We keep just mm -hmm. assuming that whole thing was just, yeah, throw it in the trash, burn it up. Absolute failure from Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer and company. I don't think so. There's a couple gems here, a couple diamonds in the rough. That's a great one. I'm going to stick with this uh, wide receiver group. I keep going back to this wide receiver four through six battle. You mentioned Amir Smith-Marset. Seems to have that number four spot locked up. But when you keep going down the chart, B.C. Johnson, we know is reliable, dependable as a safety blanket underneath for Kirk. Jalen Naylor, we expect a flash with his speed coming out of Michigan State. But Tristan Jackson 
has really taken advantage of his reps and made the most out of his chances. And this guy's just oozing talent and speed specifically. Coming into his third year, he made the Rams final 53 as a UDFA in 2020. So KLC knows all about him. Brought over to compete last year, Vikings did. Nabbed him on the practice squad. And I think it's just another name that in that wide receiver, four through six, maybe five and six now that Amir Smith-Marset's kind of strain away from the pack Mm -hmm. that we need to remember when making our final cutdown predictions that could surprise some folks, especially given, again, his connections and ties with KOC in that Rams playbook. Last one here real quick from Vikings camp. We talked a lot about the highlights here. A lot of stuff we're gleaning, some positive notes from camp, but when guys are making plays on one side, as you mentioned, that means somebody's not doing their job on the other side of the ball. And Garrett Bradbury had a tough day yesterday against Harrison Phillips getting bodied over and over again. It brings up nightmares of him previously with the inability to anchor against those bigger nose tackles and hold up and help Kirk step up into a clean pocket. So my question is, if you were calling the shot, Sam, if you're up in the war room, if you're the GM, what's plan B and maybe even C that this staff has to get in place now in case they can get a few weeks into the season and find out, oh, no, oh, my God, we can't do it. It's happening all over again. This offense can't hum the way we need it to with Bradbury in the middle and Kirk on his backs. What's your game plan? Yeah, it seems like they signed Austin Schlotman for this purpose mm-hmm. and – It's not because he's played a lot of center in his career, but clearly they believe he can. Uh, He's a veteran with interior line experience, and most of those guys are are interchangeable to some extent. So I think they've got a belief that Schlotman can play center and that Chris Reed can play a little center. They've both done it at times throughout camp. Schlotman has been the preferred number two, and that's, again, a KOC guy. So you've got someone who's got scheme knowledge, Um, who could step in and fill in for Garrett Bradbury due to performance or injury. My question is, how quick will this staff pull a guy if he's struggling? Because the Mike Zimmer philosophy was really not about yanking guys. They They seemed to be more concerned with continuity and, like, knowledge of the playbook than they were with performance. I mean, they let TJ Clemmings hang around forever and struggle, right? I mean, Drew Samia got four or five starts of, of bad football. Dakota Dozier was out there for a full season as one of yeah, the Pat worst in NFL history. Pat Elfline. Like, they just, they, if guys were good in the classroom, they seemed to value that over how they actually performed on the field. Will this staff have that type of patience? Because it, it was odd, too, because Mike Zimmer on defense had no patience. It was like, you made a bad play? Get out of here. Get out of here, J-Ron Curse. You're gone. Uh, but on offense, it was like, ah, oh, yeah, let's, we'll let him play the entire game, at mm. giving up eight pressures on Kirk Cousins. Like, it was just a weird kind of dichotomy. So will they, if, will they tolerate Garrett Bradbury struggling for three, four games? That's what I want to see. I think Schlotman, being a KOC guy, that's someone they would trust to step up and take his place, kind of like Mason Cole did last year, right? Because Bradbury, I believe, got covid um, missed mm-hmm. a couple games and Cole kind of swooped in, uh, stepped in for him. You know, is that something that could happen to Bradbury again this year? We'll see. Vikes have just enough room to go make a move for another interior lineman if they want to, but if they need a little more cash, 
They better use Dave. Tight on cash. Dave is a banking app that can help you get $500 instantly. Download the Dave app. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get $500 instantly. Terms and conditions. Go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees applies. Member FDIC. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Yeah, it's a hard fact that people need to start considering that this KOC offensive explosion may be dead before it even starts if Bradbury is unable to at least be respectable and give them a fighting chance for Kirk to have some time to scan the field and deliver. Chris Reed feels like maybe another likely backup, as you mentioned, but we just don't know enough about him, especially in a starting position at center in the middle. Meanwhile, J.C. Treader, even Matt Paradise is still linked around waiting on their couch waiting for the phone to ring something needs to happen though and quickly before it's too late training camp resumes today they take the pads off they get a breather tell us what you think get some healthy debate going go comment on the youtube channel let us know what you think 42 days until week one of the nfl season rest assured sam ron reggie and i got you covered every step of the way every day on the locked on sports minnesota network all right Time has come. Favorite segments here. I'm putting Sam on the hot seat with what does it mean covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports. First up, Vikings special teams coach had sky-high praise for kicker Greg Joseph during his latest press conference saying, quote, I have the utmost highest confidence. I'll put it on record right now and say that I firmly believe that Greg Joseph will have his best year in his career this year. Sam, you've been out to TCO. You've been to your share of Vikings pressers now, gotten a feel for a lot of these new coaches, etc. What does it mean when it comes to the best presser individual quote you've heard at your time at TCO or even back to OTAs from this new staff? Is there maybe not necessarily specific quote? That's tough. But is there one coach, though, or, or somebody could be even a player, I guess, that just kind of sticks out to you that you, you kind of get excited when the, their name gets called to walk up to the podium? Well, Matt Daniels, the special teams coordinator, is a bundle of energy. I mean, he is a, a ton of fun. Yesterday, I think he said he's looking for competition addicts. On special teams, that's a really good quote. And then declaring that Greg Joseph is going to have a career year sounds to me like the kiss of death, probably a major jinx. But, uh, hey, we'll take his word for it. It's nice to have a guy that will give you something um, because, like, Ed Donatel, for instance, not a man of many words or descriptors. Um, Mm -hmm. But the Vikings do have some pretty interesting coaches, I think, in Wes Phillips. Really cerebral, um, really measured, and and I think interesting in his words. He called Cooper Cup a psycho the other day because Cooper Cup would go into the offensive meetings with suggestions for run plays. This is a wide receiver making suggestions for run plays. And Wes Phillips goes, that's the kind of psycho Cooper Cup is. So 
I love talking to Wes. I think he's talking again today. I love hearing from Matt Daniels. Uh, KOC seems to be pretty buttoned up. He's not necessarily going to to give you real honesty or criticism. He's kind of into the filibuster. I think Quazy is the same way to some extent. And these are just, you know, guys that are doing this for the first time. They don't want to give away any trade secrets. So uh, we're still trying to wear him down a little bit. Uh, but, hey, that Matt Daniels quote yesterday about Greg Joseph, I personally haven't seen Joseph take one, like, team session field goal in training camp. I don't know if they're concealing that for, for later or they don't want to put, you know, put him out in front of the fans or what. Um, did see a lot of it in OTAs though. And Joseph was pretty good. I I am on record though, Luke is saying that I think there needs to be competition. I don't think Greg mm-hmm. Joseph is that trustworthy. And I think they're making a mistake by not bringing in someone else. My next question was going to be, if you actually had eyes on how this guy's been doing early on in camp, and it doesn't sound like we've seen a lot of action from him, but certainly if he is doing well, you're right. You don't want that kiss of death Vikings fans rolling their eyes going, oh no, don't jinx him already here. But outside of, I think, just Keenan McCardell. Brand new coaching staff, brand new front office, brand new regime. Still kind of fun, still trying to figure out a lot of these coaches' personalities as they get up to the podium. That's a wrap today. Back here tomorrow, breaking down more Twins, Vikings, plenty more. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Sam Ekstrom. Follow him on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Follow me on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Sam, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.